so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you.
Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. 
you giving me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis. Well, we are back for our first woven after summer. <laughs> I think it's awesome. Everybody had a good summer? I think it was great. I had a vacation. <laughs> so we are back, and, um, and there's a lot of new information since then. A lot of things have happened in our country and in our life. So we can get equipped now for the end, uh, to the end of the year, and then next year starts a new year, new things. So let's pray before we get started. Father, I just thank you tonight. I thank you, Lord, that your anointing is here to destroy yokes and bondages and set captives free. And I thank you, Lord, that at the sound of my voice, at the viewing of my face, wherever the atmosphere is that my presence will go in, as I speak on behalf of the kingdom of God, I declare right now that the anointing that you have on my life, Father, will break through yokes and bondages and set captives free. And I thank you, Lord, that only the Holy Spirit has permission to speak in this atmosphere and to deliver messages to us and to give us insight and understanding on the word of God. And I declare and I say to every other spirit that you must go in Jesus name and never come back again. Never enter the atmosphere from which you are leaving right now in the name of Jesus again. You have no permission to be there. And so, Father, I just thank you tonight, Lord, that your angels are guarding us and watching over us wherever we may be anywhere in the world as this go forth into the world. I speak right now that angelic, angelic hosts are dispatched for the protection of people and that they will watch over and guard and keep them. And I thank you, Lord, that Psalm 91 is activated. I break the yoke and bondage of every sickness and disease from generations to now. I cut it off at the generation of the person listening to me in the name of Jesus. And I command it to go and never return. I thank you, Father, that you will uproot it out of DNA structures, that you will uproot it out of blood systems, that you will uproot the words of the enemy that sustains it and causes it to grow. I thank you, Father, that your anointing was created to destroy these things. That means we should never have them around us because your anointing is available to us I thank you, Father, that the blood of Jesus has won the victory. We declare that we overcome by the word of our testimony, by the blood of the Lamb, with the word of our testimony. And we testify that Jesus is Lord. We testify that we are redeemed from the curse. We testify that we have been set free. I thank you, Lord, that according to Galatians 3.28, that every human being has been given the opportunity to come before you, Father, and be seen as the exact same level as the, another person. So, Father, we remove the divide of race and gender and class and, and caste systems. 
We command those that guard over them, the demonic forces of hell that guards over those systems. We break it now in Jesus' name at the sound of my voice. Those systems are destroyed and people are given the opportunity to make decisions free and clear from the influence of demonic systems in the name of Jesus. Father, you declare that when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. So we say over the world today that the righteous will rule and the unrighteous must sit down and shut up. In the name of Jesus, we declare it so, Father. We are women of God and the women have published the news. According to Psalm, we are publishing this news and broadcasting it around the world that Jesus gives the instruction. Jesus, the systems of heaven must operate because the kingdom has come. The kingdom is right at hand. And we operate the kingdom of heaven principles right here on this earth as women of the living God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you agree with that, take it in your house. Take it to your business and your school system. Amen? So tonight, we're going to talk about the also principle. So weird. You're going to be like, what? That's what I thought too. I'm going to write it out so you can understand what I'm saying. The A-L-S-O principle. The also principle. Yeah, also. Also. So I had to study a little bit of grammar and language today to give you a little background here. <laughs> I'm looking at all the teachers in the house. You know there are a lot of teachers in this room. <laughs> uh, so also is an adverb. And um, just in layman's term, it adds something to something. So... <laughs> That's what also is. And so I'll give you um, the meaning of an adverb. An adverb is a word that is used to change, modify, or qualify several types of words, including an adjective, a verb, a clause, or another adverb, or any other type of word or phrase, with the exception of determiners and adjectives that directly modify nouns, if you want to grasp all that. Uh, Bottom line is, the word also could change the meaning of something or the context of it, is my understanding, right? So there's this, but then there's also this. So it gives you options. If you put it, you know, you can have this, but there's also this. That's how we're using it tonight, right? So... um, Also, um, it provides a description, this is an adverb, it provides provides a description of how, where, when, and in what manner, right? So in marketing, they teach you, you got to tell them the how, where, when, what, why. So you got to adverb them. Just adverb them. Anyway, they could have just said that. <laughs> and um, there are lots of adverbs. You know, usually they end with L-Y and all that stuff. But we're looking at the one also tonight. All right? And it's important that I explain what that does because 
you are going to, I want you tonight to leave here looking at the also's in your life. Right? So if you look up scripture with the, and you just type in also in the online Bible, you know how many scriptures come up? <laughs> A lot. So I focused in Genesis because there was so much in Genesis, I couldn't get out of Genesis. And then I hopped over to the New Testament. So we're going to examine some of these things. When I was meditating about what we're going to talk about tonight, the Lord said, also. I said, okay. Great. So I decided to figure it out today. What do you want to talk about also? Because that's usually how it works for me. And we got a place to go. All right, you guys ready? The first place we're going to go is in the Garden of Eden. Now we're going to go to Genesis 2, 8 to 9. And in the message translation, which I've been divulging in lately, it has it very nicely written. And that's why it's from 2 to 9, because, you know, the message... The message gives you the point in a roundabout way. So it takes a couple of verses and pulls it together so you get the picture. So I don't think you could get, take the Bible out of context if you read the message. Because all the context is involved when you read the message Bible. Have any of you never read the message Bible? Or you don't even know what I'm talking about. You've never read the message Bible? Oh, you have got to take a look at it. Are you, oh my word, it's like you're reading a novel, but it's true. It's not a novel, it's not fiction, it's truth. The message. So here's what the Lord showed me about the different versions of the Bible. You know, I was thinking, um, you know, like sometimes you read a version of the Bible and it has, it sounds nothing like another version. It's like a totally different subject it's talking about. But the, the scriptures, I was listening to uh, Robin Bullock. And he was explaining that the scriptures literally has about a hundred levels of meaning. And as humans, we really only see to the fourth dimension. And that's when you get a heavenly visit, like when you go to heaven. Like you can translate, you know, and just get a heavenly glimpse of heaven. That's glimpsing into the fourth dimension. So imagine having a hundredth level dimension. So we don't even have a clue, really. So... So the Lord showed me that the different versions, when they looked, because I'm like, Lord, you know, this doesn't even, he said, because it's dealing with subjects that you are stuck on this verse only dealing with that subject. But this same verse could deal with a hundred different subjects. And the different versions are helping to bring that out. So it's good when you look at a scripture to kind of put them together. And look at the different versions to see all the subject matters that could be affected by that specific, you know, verse, right? So, in Genesis chapter, what did I say, 2? And 8 and 9 in the message. I have the New Living up right now, but we'll get there. It says, do we have the message? That's all right, I'll read it for you. When God planted a garden in Eden in the east, he put the man he had just made in it. God made all kinds of trees grow from the ground. Trees beautiful to look at and good to eat. The tree of life was in the middle of the garden. Also, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Do you see that? So the tree of life with all the other trees that were good to eat were in the garden. 
but also the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And which one did the enemy come and attack Eve with? The also, right? So not all also's are bad, but I'm just showing you. He came and he modified what God said about the tree. Right? We all know the story. So God said something specific about the tree. And the enemy came in and modified it. He adverbed it. (laughs) We can say that now. He adverbed it. (laughs) So he literally came and painted a different picture. Isn't that what an adverb will do? Like it, it modifies it so you see something different. Right? So it could be good or bad. In this case, it was evil. (laughs) Right? So we have an also that we're looking at good and evil. And really, it's not even good. Because he used the word good in his modification. It's God or evil. Right? And the devil came in with an also that altered Adam and Eve so much that it changed the function of the earth. Think about it. It took us from a hundred level capacity of understanding and realms down to four with an also being altered if they had left the also the way God had it there was a clear separation right if they had left it the way God had it everything would have been we would have been like in heaven on earth okay but the devil came in and altered it right so we know from John 10 10 that what Jesus came to do, and what did that, let's put that up, John 10, 10, in case I'm assuming here, but since this is going all over the place, I have to make sure I explain myself a little bit. <laughs> okay? John 10, 10, let's take a look at that. The thief's purpose, it's not even like the thief's idea, or it really is his purpose. This is what the thief is here to do. Okay? Is to steal and to kill and to destroy. And this is Jesus talking. It's in red if you look it up. Okay. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's the new living. If this is too much for you to say rich and satisfying life. God knew that. So there's another version that says life and life more abundantly. Do you see how the levels are? Like he'll, he'll speak to you at your level. Right? So if you're not at the rich and satisfying life yet. He'll give you know, Go read the other version. When you get, you know, for real, like there's some, and and the enemy will use that against you and you'll shy, you won't look at it because you can't handle it because something's wrong with it. Well, something's not wrong with it. (laughs) Something's blocking you. And it could be an also that you didn't recognize. So my question to you tonight is, how many adverbs of the devil are you carrying around in your mindset? Okay, how many also's have you been presented with? 
and you have accepted. Okay? Because I've done, in 19 years of being at the church, it still isn't longer than the amount of time I spent as a preacher's kid. (laughs) And in those years, there was a lot of time in my, um, you know, when I was old enough, teenage years. When I was um, 14, I worked as my dad's um, secretary in the state office. He was the overseer, and I was his secretary at 14 because I'd already graduated high school. So I would... So I would sit in with him to counsel with women that would come if my mom wasn't available. So I had younger siblings at the time, so sometimes my mom would be with them. So I would sit in with my dad. And I would hear a lot of stories that they would tell and how my dad would counsel them. And the people who were successful, like the young ladies and stuff that were successful, were the ones who went and did the first thing. Like whatever my dad said, they would do that. And they, and they would have a breakthrough. See, the first thing is your break. But what the devil comes in, he tells you this whole long list. And then you get stuck. But if you do the first thing, you broke something. Like the enemy has this whole plan for you. And when you don't do, he's not smart. He just has one plan. And it involves stealing, killing, and destroying. Right? So when you don't participate with step one, it messes all the other steps up. If you just know that one thing, you, you're, you, you'll not live bound ever a day in your life. You just mess step one up. You know how long it took him to get step one f- figured out? It took him a long time. The demons he works with, they don't have sharp minds. Like imagine how worst employees on the planet earth this is what the devil is dealing this is his staff like have we figured this out yet like for real they're called fallen angels right i mean you know what i'm saying like they're the bottom of the barrel like his crew is at the bottom of the barrel like have you ever thought about this they are the worst of the worst (laughs) okay and this is who's tripping people up And you know why people are getting tripped up? Because they're doing step one of the adverb that the devil gave them. Eve just did step one. Look where we are. 96 dimensions less than where we were before. (laughs) Okay? Don't judge the massive way in which God created you by the biggest Christian loser you know. Do you realize that's what the devil does with people? When he wants to get you to fail, he'll either point out your biggest failure or show you somebody else that's a Christian that's public enough so you know them and see them. You don't know anything about their life, but you see them from a distance, I'll tell you. <laughs> and he'll point that out to you. That's the strategy. Every tree in the garden, God said you can have. One he said not to, do, not to eat from. The devil comes in and says, you're not going to die if you eat from it. Eve says, no, no, no. We should not eat of it. We shouldn't even touch it. Well, that's a lie. 
So right there, she starts falling into the steps of Satan's world. She lied about God's instruction. Who's the father of lies according to Jesus? The devil, Satan, right? Because he's, he told the Pharisees, you're just like your father, the devil, the father of lies, right? So this is why you don't say everybody is a child of God, because they're not. We're all created by God. Humans are all created by God, but not all humans are a child of God. But the devil, again, can get you to trip up and say that. So then it's hard for you to say no to a child of Satan, because we're all children of God. Isn't that the world, what the world says? Do you see? If you buy step one, step two and the rest of it's easy. Right? Alright, that's just first scripture. In Genesis. <laughs> in Genesis 2, well we got 2, 8, 9. If, um, in the living, it just says, and also the tree of conscience. Giving knowledge of good and bad. That's what the New Living says. Alright. Genesis 2, 10 to 14. If we continue reading. Right. It says about the river that flows out of Eden to water the garden. And the river divides into four rivers. You see the structure of order that God created in the Garden of Eden. It was so orderly, right? Everything had its instruction. Everything had its place. God didn't walk out of the garden on the seventh day and rested and forgot to tell him what to do, right? It was so meticulously created. So much so that God would not leave it alone until he announced that it was good. Right? And we know that because when it was Adam, and he looked and he said, oh, no, 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 no. It is not good <laughs> that man would be alone. He fixed what was not. He didn't go, oh, it's not good that man be alone. I need a rest. <laughs> he fixed what was not good. Then he called it good. Then he rested. Okay? So everything is in order. So when you find something that is out of order and disorderly, Look for demonic activity because it's there. Wherever there's confusion because the devil is the author of confusion. Jesus, God, the Godhead, Jesus, he is the author and the finisher of what? Our faith. The devil is the author of confusion. Whenever there's a problem I can't sort out and it looks like a knotted chain, you know those necklaces you get, you're like, you know what, I'm done with it. <laughs> Whenever I come across problems like that, I stop and I say, no, 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 no. I'm smarter than this. I'm smart. I'm totally smarter than this. There's a solution for this that I need to see and it ain't this. That's getting confusion out of the way, telling that to go. God has a solution for this. This is not rocket science here. <laughs> There's a solution. I need to see what it is. But see, when confusion is present, it clouds everything. It's like, it's like um, you know, if you took a, a bottle of baby powder and just poof, 
right? You know, it'll create this cloud and then whatever was there and it falls on it, distorts it, it adverbs it. It turns it into a, a white powdery stuff. You don't even know what color it was. You understand if you do it enough. Well, that's kind of what the devil will do when you're trying to think of something or plan something and do something. It's like he wants to take over the environment and cause confusion. There's a new thing going around. I just found out about it and I heard it two times in a row from two different sources on TikTok. And it's called, is it Click Devious or something? Click Mischief or something like that. I know you guys are the audience for this, right? <laughs> but let me tell you what, it do, what it's designed to do. Okay, it's set up where it's telling young school kids. You see how our children are being attacked, okay? It's telling school kids to go into their bathroom, their school bathrooms and other places in the school and see if they could steal something from the school and get away with it. Yeah. And then they're supposed to TikTok it, like, you know, brag about what they just did. And like, I think even video themselves doing it. So a bunch of arrests have been made as a result. Because <laughs> the evidence is right there. You did it. <laughs> you confessed to doing it and you videotaped it. But, do you, but mischief is in the, the thing or... or um, divisive or something like that, devious, all those words, those are demonic words. They're not godly words. Jesus wouldn't come tell you, I've come to bring mischief. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that is not part of his plan, right? So when those things are present, you have to be aware that demonic activity is operating and somebody has fallen for step one. So you have to make sure you don't fall into the same trap. Remember Paul said, when I teach you this stuff, I'm careful that I don't fall into the same trap of which I'm telling you about. So this isn't about like I'm holier than you, so it's never going to happen to me. It is about being alert, being on guard, watch. You remember how what, what Jesus said? Your, your adversary goes around like a roaring lion seeing who he may devour. So our job is to be on guard when a lion looks like a lion but can't do what lions do, it's the devil. <laughs> if somebody's pretending to be holy, but they don't do the basic Christianity functions, it's the devil. <laughs> it don't don't learn from them. Stop learning from them because it's the devil. Because they are now open to demonic activity. Remember how Jesus said to Peter, who had the revelation that Jesus is Lord, and Jesus turned right around the next couple of verses. You read the same conversation and turn around and says, Get thee behind me, Satan. He said it to Peter, who was saying words that were satanic against his purpose. He said it to the person speaking the words, Peter. He said it to Peter. <laughs> okay? So this game that the devil has us playing, especially women, that we, we are, you don't want to be so mean, <laughs> is a trap of the devil. It is a trap from hell. It is designed to uh, get your foot caught in the net. You know those net in the um, jungles? Do you know you would never step in a trap if you knew it was there? 
That's why it's called a trap. <laughs> like I tell my husband, I tell ministers, I say, listen, we all know that you're not looking for some woman. Hence, that's why a trap will catch you, not lust, because you ain't interested. But a trap is there to catch you because you're not looking. So that's why you have to have guards around. You have to have protection around you. Lookouts for traps. Because you're just, you're just walking. You're not looking. That's why you got caught. <laughs> right? Some of these people that get ca- caught in sin, and especially adultery and fornication stuff, it wasn't because they were looking for it or they were a fornicator or adulterer. It's because they got caught in a trap. They, they, they had no interest. But, the de- you know, um, the, the best protective thing I've ever heard of was Billy Graham he in his younger days in ministry he um, whenever he was on the road because his wife wasn't with him he would send there was a minister or staff person on his thing on his crew that would go to the hotel room ahead of him as he's walking down the hall they're ahead of him and they go into the room first to make sure to enter the room first and sure enough one time the, the staff member entered the room and a woman was dressed in lingerie and a camera person was there ready and they start snapping thinking it was Billy Graham. And he avoided the trap. You see? So the Lord will give us wisdom. On, on, he'll alert us to things. But when he does, don't say, oh, you know, I'm, that's not me. They will never get, like, I don't do that stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just, why did that come out? I have no idea. But... When my mom was here, it's so funny. My mom, when she was better, she had just come. She, she had just gotten diagnosed, you know, that she was, had cancer. So she was still strong and feisty. There was like nothing, you know, she was taking her um, chemo treatments and all that. So she was getting all this spunk, you know. And uh, so she would come here. And one Sunday, I saw her, like, she gets this look on her face when she doesn't like something that's happening, which is very bizarre. I'm thinking, what does she not like that's happening? This is so odd. Like, it's not like her. You know, she look. We go home, and she's like, Fiona, you need to be careful with that girl. And I said, what girl? She goes, she is after Doug. I went, really? <laughs> like, the thought never crossed my mind. She goes, yes. I've been watching her. I said, oh. She said, yeah. Everywhere Doug goes, there she is. I said, really? I no. It can't. I was a young lady. Okay, I'm like, mom, please. You know, like, Fiona, I'm telling you. So I'm like, okay, mom, thank you. And then in my head, I'm like, you know, well, you know, Doug's not, it's not even anything to to be this. And and then the Holy Spirit arrested me and gave me this analogy I gave you, right? So it turns, so then I realized everything that involved on my Facebook page that had a picture with me and Doug, tons of comments all the time. But if it's just me, there wasn't really an acknowledgement. And I thought, huh. So then. I went to their Facebook page. I thought, well, I better investigate. This might be something to it. And sure enough, I found every picture of Doug and everything he ever posted, there's a comment from this person on there. I'm talking, in fact, from years before they ever met us. I thought, oh, boy. My mom was right. <laughs> but do you see, God sent my mom to point this out so there wouldn't be a trap. 
right? Because because they were so young, my I would have potentially, because it was a busy time in my life and stuff, I could have potentially easily let Doug have a meeting with the two of them. It was They were married. I mean, she had a husband. And she could have said her husband couldn't make it and just showed up by herself. And then, you know what I'm saying, and then say things that weren't true and cause a problem. So my mom caught it, and sure enough, and sure enough after that, a couple of folks came to me to ask me if I realized that this was going on, that this person is obsessed with Pastor Doug because they were friends, and all she does is talk about Pastor Doug when they're together. Which if they had done that without me being alerted by my mom first, I probably would not have paid. You know, I'd be like, ah, oh, you know. But when I got the, I said, well, thank you for telling me. And it wasn't like some big deal to me because I knew. It, you, understand, you see what I'm saying? So you want to pay attention when God will send you a message. God won't just leave you to take step one without warning you. Hey, you take your best, take the wrong step, right? He just won't do that. He, but if the devil will keep giving... The devil can't give you another step. He has to give you step one first. Like you just got to know that. So he'll always come back with step one every time. Do you, he's not that smart. <laughs> the people he has working with him are by nature rebellious. They're by nature used to being tormented. They have no love. They're, this isn't the. This kingdom doesn't give out re, awards of of niceness, right? It's awards for who murdered the most, who killed the most. You understand what I'm saying? But even then, you got a higher quota to meet. This isn't like, woo, you're gonna get the watch. <laughs> This is not raffle. This is this is rough and tough torment. There's never a let there, there's never a good thing. It's tormenting all the time. Have you ever been around someone that's all, always tormenting? Are they have are they good to be around? Are they nice and easy to be around? No, because they're tormented. Right? So they, they, it's hard to be around them. Well, demons are tormented. They've been tormented from the time they fell. And so this is the kingdom they work for. And everything the devil promises them is a lie. But they still hold hope, apparently. Do you see? It's easy to say no to the devil because you know he is a liar. If you just understand this. Okay? Are you guys? But anyway, I was reading Genesis 2. And it says, The land is also known for a sweet-scented resin and the onyx stone, which I never heard, I never saw the scripture that talked about a sweet smell in some of the um, the minerals and things that it had, and the and the jewels, right? Then um, look at Genesis four three to five. Caleb, time passed, and Caleb brought an offering to God from the produce of his farm. Abel also brought an offering. Do you see that? Wherever there's an also, I see it like an alternative or an addition to. Right? It depends on what the context is. So here we have two people. 
So God could have had an offering that was an addition too. Like Cain would have, if Cain would have brought an offering and Abel also brought an offering would have been an addition like what Cain would have brought if Cain had brought the proper offering. But here in this story, one brought the offering that a thief would bring and the other one brought the offering that someone who operated like God's kingdom would bring after the heart of God. You understand? The reason I say the one brought the one like a thief is because there was rebellion in his offering. Whereas Abel's offering was done according to the order that God set up. Does that make sense? The offering on Cain's side was done how he wanted it to be done. It wasn't because it was fruits and vegetables. It was because he did what he wanted to to bring. And then he was upset that it wasn't accepted. See, if he didn't know better and was corrected, he wouldn't have been upset. He would have rejoiced that he was corrected. So his, his, um, his response indicated that he was a fool. Because according to Proverbs, the fool hates you more for giving them correction. Whereas the wise person actually loves you more. You see the difference? So th- these are all indicators folks of if you're dealing with the thief or if you're dealing with God's side that's Jesus had different levels of relationships right he was in the presence of many people because if you read the gospels you know there's a big crowd around him but he wasn't telling the crowd what he revealed to the disciples. Because there were thieves in the crowd. Okay? And the Bible tells not to give your pearls before swines. Right? But Jesus also knew Judas was in the disciple group. Right? Because he said, do what you have to do quickly. You, he's been a, uh, he said, you've been a devil from the beginning. So Jesus was fully aware who was on the steam. Okay? But because Jesus knew what had to happen, he knew it was necessary for him to be there. I have a thing I say, Jesus already took care of Judas. He never told us we got to have a Judas. You know, all the preachers would say, everybody has Judas because... Jesus had a Judas, so I don't have to have one. <laughs> right? Because I ain't going up on the cross either. <laughs> You bear your cross, you carry your cross, but I don't have to go up and be nailed. See, some of these things that people preach that you got to do because Jesus did, it's actually arrogance. Think about it. If you're thinking you're going to go do everything Jesus did when it comes to the sacrificial part of things, then you're basically saying what Jesus did wasn't, isn't finished and needs some kind of support here or some kind of... There are things that we're supposed... Jesus was very specific when he said... The works you see me do here, right, you will do also and greater works than these. Those are the things we're supposed to be like Jesus in. The works. Not the cross stuff. He did say take our cross and follow him, but our cross is nothing compared to his cross. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Our cross should be light and easy because he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he took away all the heaviness of the cross. Right? Okay. How about Noah and the ark? If you read Genesis 6, 18 to 21, and I'll give you guys these notes so you can write it down and then we can move on. The also in that scripture were the clean animals that were coming on the ark. He said, take two of every kind. And then he said, you are also to take two each living creature, a male and a female, on board the ship to preserve the lives and all that stuff, right? So the also, God's instruction of the also was very important because it preserved life. See, the devil will... (laughs) The people that are being used by the devil right now, worldwide, that we see on TV practically every day, they're not getting a promotion from the devil. As soon as they're incapable of functioning for him, he'll drop them like a hot potato. You see? So we, when God, see in God's kingdom, he decides, oh, you're ready for promotion. He actually promotes you. There's no promotion in the kingdom of darkness. Because Satan is too jealous of every he is like he is power and control. Power and control. Okay, how about Lot and Abraham? Um, in Genesis thirteen, five to seven, there's an also there as well. Are you guys getting some out of this? Lot who was traveling and I think this might be the message, but it's did I tell you where it was? All right. Genesis thirteen, five to seven. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, this was Abram, he didn't even have the ha in there yet, okay, was also rich in sheep and cattle and tents. Because he was with the dude who was about to get the covenant, he also became rich. So the question is, who's the also you're hanging out with? (laughs) Are they taking you up or are they taking you down? This is another indicator for you to decide which force you're hanging out with and you're taking instructions from for your life. This is, I'm talking about your personal life here. I'm not talking about your children and your generation. They will be affected. But I'm saying about you, when you stand before heaven and if he were to phrase it this way and he'd say you're also took you down. You didn't do what I wanted you to do because of the also you were hanging out with. (laughs) Right? Do you see? See? (sighs) We have a reason why we do things. We do. Or else we won't do it. Right? We just won't do it if we didn't have a reason. I mean, we're human beings. We're not animals. And so we have a reason. So my reason for keeping around losers and people who hate me and keep beating me up was... That she's laughing. She was that I just wanted to give people another chance. Just give them another chance. And, I, and the Lord would constantly be telling me about this, the, the time when he told Samuel, get up. What are you waiting for? I've rejected Saul. Go anoint David. And so the Lord would point that out to me like you're hindering my David because you're sitting here hoping Saul would repent. But even if Saul repents, I've already dislodged him from the position. 
See, somebody can repent, but it doesn't mean that they keep their anointing. Or they keep their position. The best they can hope for is that they still get to go to heaven, thank God, which we want. But me, I was confusing the two. (laughs) And I keep these people hanging, and they were just pounding at me. They were ripping people away from my life, taking people out of this ministry and all this stuff. And I was just like hoping, you know, like, Lord, pray for them, you know, because... And the Lord showed me this image that I, it just happened recently. You see all the stuff I did Sunday and all. You, Sunday was amazing in here and it's because of what we did before church started, which nobody was in here to know except the worship team because they participated. But the point is, the Lord showed me this image. You know when you open up a vanilla bean and you want to put the flavor of it into something, the fresh stuff, and you take a knife or something and you're scraping it out, right? It's like, I think it's brown, isn't it? And you take the knife and you're scraping it out. The Lord showed me. He said, I'm scraping every bit of mercy you have for the enemy. And I said, I've got mercy for the enemy? (laughs) Me? Like if you ask one of the enemy adversaries I deal with, they would never say that. (laughs) They would say I'm so mean and I'm a terrible person. And he said, yet you keep them around and you keep hoping they change. And I went, oh, that's what you're talking about. So he showed me that he is literally taking me and scraping every ounce of mercy I have for the enemy. Because with my mercy goes grace. And grace empowers. And it is a misuse of my anointing. Because remember, what we say on earth, right? It, it's, we're asking for something to happen on earth. So he, God couldn't just bypass Samuel. See, Samuel was the prophet that was put in place to anoint the kings, right? So God had to say to God had to correct Samuel to get his rightful king in place. I mean, God didn't just say, forget Samuel and Saul. I'm just going to go over to David myself, wake him up, give him a dream and tell him, I've anointed you the next king. No, God is a God of order. So the order he had in place was for the prophet to go do this whole ritual of anointing the king. Which he needed Samuel to do. Do you see? So God had to correct Samuel because Samuel was falling into the side of Saul who was rebellious and disobedient. I mean, Saul even tore the guy's clothing. His anoint- he ripped his anointing covering thing. You remember? <laughs> and the Lord's like, yeah, how much more rips do you would like to have here? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. So I think I've been cured. I have no mercy for demons and demon people. So my reason was that you're hoping, you know, that they change. You're praying for them, hoping that they change. You could do that, but you don't have to tolerate anything they do. They have to have zero mercy. I mean, that's a very foreign concept. And it's very difficult for me to do. As hard as it might be for you to imagine that, it is a very difficult thing for me to do. But it must be done so God could do what he wants to do next. Okay? 
And my question is, in our family, in your, in your thing, whatever you're in, your family, your job, whatever, are you giving mercy to the enemy, which is causing grace to go, which is causing empowerment of the enemy to just work in the arena you're supposed to take charge of? That's what it comes down to. There's a kingship on the line. Remember, David was going to be king. So there's a group of people that requires leadership. And because of Samuel, and by the way, Samuel, the prophet Samuel, it's recorded in the Bible that none of his words ever fell to the ground. So this was the most accurate prophet and the one that listened to God. Like he did none, nothing he ever said did God not do. None of his words ever fell to the ground. And God had to correct him. Because he was showing too much mercy to the enemy. Imagine that. (sighs) What does Satan accuse the church of? You don't have enough love. You just treat these people so bad. And we we are showing them love. While we kill babies, but we're showing them love. Acceptance is the devil's step one for many people. Because that's a foothold, acceptance. Acceptance is a foothold. The devil does not need your will to do anything. He needs a foothold. The Holy Spirit will not break and go against your will. Hence, God couldn't go against Samuel's, you know, stagging there to to crown the next king. He was waiting on Samuel. Imagine God waiting on somebody. You see? Isn't that something? All this from the word also. I mean, seriously. (laughs) Okay, we have Ishmael and Isaac. Watch this. Genesis 17. We're still in Genesis, folks. Oh my gosh, we have 10 minutes. Genesis 17, 20, 21. Thank God we didn't have worship. (laughs) I feel like really long. (laughs) Not like, thank God we didn't have worship. Lord, we worship you, but I'm saying, (laughs) you got all the things you need these people to hear. Genesis 17, 20, 21. And Ishmael, uh, if you read, okay, I'm going to read from here. Abraham, hold on a second. I got two sets of verses here. If you read the verse before 20, which is 19, um, go to 19, let me see. I didn't have it printed. Oh, I don't know what that is. Okay, it's probably 18. But it says, I heard your prayer of him. This is God talking to Abraham. Abraham was asking God about Ishmael. Like, can't you bless him too? Right? And he said, I've heard your prayer for him. I'll also bless him. I'll make sure he has plenty of children, a huge family. He'll father 12 princes. I'll make him a great nation. But I'll establish my covenant with Isaac. Whom Sarah will give you about this time next year. Do you see? Abraham only had Ishmael. So God said, God made Ishmael the also before the thing he actually wanted Abraham to have a covenant with him with. Do you see that? Whereas Abraham thought Ishmael was it. Like Abraham really thought his servant would have been it, right? And then God said, no, I'm going to give you your own descendant. So now here's Ishmael, right? From his own loins. 
So for sure, Abraham thought this was it, but it still wasn't. So God said, no, I'll bless him. I'll give him 12 princes and everything else. But you're going to have your Isaac this time next year, and he's going to be it. He's the covenant child. Do you see? Then if you look at Genesis 21, 6 to 7, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. Sarah said, God has blessed me with laughter. And all who get the news will laugh with me. (laughs) She also said, whoever would have suggested to Abraham that Sarah would one day nurse a baby, yet here I am, I've given the old man a son. (laughs) This was the also, this was the other side of the also. God fulfilled what he said he would do. That's why I'm reading it. Okay? Now, the story of Rebecca, I'll give you the, the reference so you can write it down. Genesis 24, 10 to 14. She, check this also out. You remember the servant went to get a, a wife for this Isaac now, the promised child, the covenant one. And his, his thing was, he said, he, whoever answers, drink and let me also water your camels her also was doing it for the camels not just for him right let her be the woman you have picked out for your servant Isaac so this was before the Holy Spirit could speak to people this is when they cast lots and they you know decided things by these fleeces right now you don't have to do a fleece you just ask the Holy Spirit he'll tell you okay he's your fleece (laughs) do you see everybody with me So you see how the word also, just go do a search in the Bible for real. I mean, seriously. Search through your life and see what the also's are. And the also could end up being an alternative from the same place. So the devil, (laughs) you could wear a mask or also you can get a bag seat. I didn't go there, but there I went. Okay. (laughs) Or you could stay home or also, you know. There's all ways of doing this. So the enemy can have an also that's double, double bad. Because it's, it's, it's what you call a rock and a hard place. Hence, you don't do step one. You get away from all those options. They're full of confusion. You ask the Holy Spirit, what do I do? Amen. You see, I was being bombarded with uh, questions about what to do about when kids were going back to school about the mask. Because people didn't want their kids to wear masks. Some people were afraid that other people's kids wouldn't wear I got all these messages. And I was like, you know what? I, I didn't even think, think about it, frankly. <laughs> so I, I said, well, I'm going to pray about it. So in prayer one morning, Pastor Doug and I were praying. And we just prayed in the Holy Ghost. We don't like say things in English. We just pray in the Holy Ghost. And then the Holy Spirit will bring out things to us. So each of us, you'll see when we pray, each of us are taking breaks and we are got our phone out. And what it is, is we're just getting... Things from God, we're just writing it down, or we're looking up scripture while we're both praying in tongues. That's how we say good morning. So, the one morning I woke up, and, I, and the Holy Spirit was just saying to me, speak the blessing over the curse. Everything that's happening right now concerning this disease, it's the curse at work. And nobody is speaking the blessing. The blessing is powerful, more powerful than the curse. You, somebody just needs to say it. 
so it can activate. So hence, that was my recommendation, of which I did a video online and people have contacted me since then. And it actually brought relief to many people. Okay, because the, the blessing is self-fulfilling. We can't fulfill the blessing. <laughs> but we can sure activate a curse. See, the curse doesn't require any faith. The curse just requires a foothold. So don't do step one, whatever step one is. The devil will bring us to... See, the devil has a specific strategy to pull you down. He's been operating it since before you were born. Seriously, like your family line. Whatever residue is left over that your other kinsmen didn't do, he'll bring that show to you. It's the same nasty, stupid stuff. Okay? And you just have to know, I'm not the one doing step one. It can't get past me. Right. To my generation. I ain't doing step one. Either mm-hmm. with my kids or their kids or them kids and kids. This is why when people say to me, well, you know, it's a really tough person. I don't know if they'll ever. I'm like, stop talking to me right now. <laughs> I, I'm not going to agree with this. Because you want me to agree with what the devil has fed the nonsense in your head for your generations before you. You see? So, but that looks mean, doesn't it? (laughs) And still God told me I have too much mercy for the enemy. Okay. Speaking of mercy, go to Proverbs 6, verse 30. Okay, this... You, if you know this, you know this. But I'm going to show you some other stuff in it. Proverbs 6.30. Are you getting something out of tonight? Yes. You're never going to look at that adverb the same again. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 30. Okay, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation in this one. It says, you can almost excuse a thief, almost excuse a thief. Okay, listen. If he steals to feed his own family. But if he's caught, still has to pay back what he stole sevenfold. His punishment and fine will cost him greatly. Other translations say, even if his punishment and fine extends to selling everything in his house to pay you back to a sevenfold return. So this is something I also couldn't do. This is how the Lord started with the mercy thing, really, for me. Because I I realized I was stolen from. And uh, I was like, well, you know, there was some payback and it was like more than what was stolen. So I'm like, okay, well, that's good. And the Lord says, really? I'm like, well, I mean, I, I don't want to rob the person. And he was like, but that this whole thing started because of thievery, not from you. Oh, yeah. So he started teaching me this verse more clearly. And he says, when you decide that they, how far you're going to take this verse, you're saying, I am unreasonable. I went, oh, it certainly would be that now, wouldn't it? And that's when he started showing me, when you're showing mercy to the thief... You're robbing yourself and you're robbing my kingdom of the benefits of a thief paying back. I went, oh, yes, I am now, aren't I? (laughs) And so we have to have the guts 
to watch a thief pay you back in full even if they have to sell the goods in their house. That was a yikes for me. I mean, for real. I was like, like, could I not know who the thief is? That way I don't have to see them. Do, <laughs> do you know, like, that will make it easier. But, but if God's showing us this thing, it means we're owed so much that we couldn't handle what's about to come to us. And we'll just say, oh, that's enough. At least, you know, they pay back. That's good. I'll, I'll take that. And we'll still be in the category of, of have been robbed and not returned. The books would be off. We would be in the injustice. We have been served an injustice. And by our own decision, we've accepted it. So that was my step one. Because if I allow that injustice to happen, guess what? The devil's like, oh, we got her. She can now accept other injustices. Let's start the next level. So when God corrects you on something... Just don't be like, well, you know, I can live with it. You need to realize he's actually telling you there's a level two about to start because you're, you're playing and dancing with level one. Remember, the thief has no mercy. So he's not going to be like, oh, well, I think she's had enough on level one. Let's wait before we do level. As soon as you accept level two, man, he is ready to bring on the next step. And it's not a break. And so God will know what you're about to do is about to put yourself in a trap. And then you have to have the boldness. You talk about boldness. You have to have the boldness to watch the enemy pay you back. And not feel sorry for him. Jesus didn't apologize after he rebuked Peter. He didn't go, okay, I hope we're all good now, but you understand why I had to do that. He just rebuked him and next next verse. <laughs> you see? Okay, but let me show you. Let me play this out for you so it'll calm you down like it calmed me down. Right? Let's just, right? So we know the thief has to pay back even if it costs them every single thing they owe. It must be seven times. Okay? So, <laughs> so Matthew 7, 7, and, and, and I had to do this because I'm like, but it's food. Like, you know, they were hungry. That's why they stole. There's always a reason why they did something to you. Because they were hurting, you know, because they were so sad. Or because they, they were abused when they were a child. Or because they grew up really poor. Or because, you know what I'm saying? Like whatever reason they had to be this way to you and steal from you, right? And I'm talking stealing anything like time, energy, you know, relationships, whatever. It doesn't have to be just food that they stole or money. I mean, I've had all of the above stolen from me. But it's coming. So, um, because this scripture, if they are in need of food or whatever it is that they needed to steal it from you, if it was a legitimate need, they should have gone to Matthew 7, 7 and 11, like you had to go to it to get what you have that they took from you. You understand what I'm saying? Matthew 7, 7 11, ask, <laughs> and the gift is yours. Seek, 
and you'll discover. Knock and the door will be open for you. Right? And then Matthew 7. 7. Here's the passion. Refuse to be a critic full of bias towards others and you will not be judged. This is talking about the judging thing. Do you know when you, listen to this for a minute. When you are in communication with somebody who's been hurt by other people, do you know your communication is all about being a critic? Because if they're going to bring that to you in a revengeful way, then you are cooperating with them and being a critic to judge whoever it is they're talking about. And what they're doing has no faith. Because there's provision for that too. There's forgiveness. Like go to your brother, ask for forgiveness, release forgiveness. And if that doesn't work, then you go through the process. But people want to come to you and cause you to make them feel better about what they're rebellious about. It's the same thing when somebody can't get a result for their life. Right? And you think you're going to be their God. Because they don't have anybody else but me. That, mean, that person has no faith. So you're literally hanging out with dead faith. And then you're wondering what's going on with your faith. Well, the Bible says corrupt communication corrupts. So your faith can be contaminated just from being with people who have no faith. When you're doing everything you know how to do, including thinking you're walking in love. I mean, I know what I'm, I know this. I, I'm not like saying stuff to you that I don't know. I've done the same thing myself. Hence the Lord arresting me. Like, are you going to get a clue here, lady? But what I'm saying is, when you think about it, they're literally not doing the same, the scriptures that you put your faith in to ask God for something and to believe he can get it to you. They are telling you they don't have enough faith. Like, you know, they don't know God like that. I just can't go to church and I just don't feel good. And it's too much for me to read the Bible. But yet they need you to lean on the whole time. Like, seriously? This is what's happening. They are rejecting the word of God and they're substituting the word of God with you. Now what does that make you? That makes you the pompous person that says, well, God won't do it for you. So I'll go to him for you. I'll I'll help you. It's one thing. The Bible talks about carrying each other's burden. He didn't say about carrying your yoke and hooking up the thing and plowing the whole field for you while you just like have oh well, I had a, I needed a, um I needed a personal day a mindful day so I just rested today I just just couldn't deal while you're out there plowing for them yeah all this happens in church by the way <laughs> that's why pastors burnt out half the time they're out there plowing for the people and the people are too they can't read their bible they can't come to church they can't and yet midnight calls they need help well this is why you see what i'm saying it's one thing to need help in the midnight hour because you the person's working their faith and they need another person to kind of hook in with them and like let's do this together but when it's all about like well and then you're like did you do what i asked you last week well i really didn't feel like it i was kind of like depressed really Do you see? What did Jesus do when he got up out of a deep sleep? It was a deep sleep because the storm was happening. He didn't even wake up. They had to wake him up to tell him there was a storm. He 
can you be still? And he said, yeah, like, hello. <laughs> he announced it right away. I'd be curious to see what his next lesson was to them. I bet you it was about beefing up your faith, buddies. Because <laughs> I ain't going to be here with you this whole time. Do you see? Remember at one point he said, how long will I be, how long must I be with you? Like, seriously, I'm supposed to be done with this by now. <laughs> you know? Do you see how Jesus handled it? Yet he had compassion for the sick. He had compassion to raise the dead. See, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It's about where we're putting it. That's what it's about. Right? So, okay. If you read Matthew 7 and you go down all the way like verse 9, verse 11. If you, imperfect as you are, know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best, how much more ready is your Heavenly Father? You see? So, the question is, do we... Let people see how much more the Father is willing to do for them. Or are we in the way being there how much more? You know? Because that could be a trap that we have set for our whole life and then you're always helping the same people. And you're wondering, like, how come Scripture isn't working for them? Well, they didn't even think God was there. Yeah, there you go. She's got it. They expect to be taken care of. Yeah. Okay. Deuteronomy eleven twenty six. I'm wrapping. I'm 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 wrapping this. I know you guys are like, you know, seriously. Also, let's get over with it. Okay. Because <laughs> our first time back, you know, we had three months off. Um, we had more than three months off. Oh, we had three months off. Okay. Um, Deuteronomy eleven twenty six. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. I talked earlier about the blessing and the curse. Okay? If people are doing things that are cursed things, like it's their livelihood. It's not like a one-time thing. Okay? It's who they are as a person. It's their character, their nature, whatever. You can't make the blessing work for them. We can't make it work anyway. But if they're under a curse, they need to straighten it out with God. Do you know what I'm saying? But the other thing is the devil could drag you into a trap to bring you to live like you're under a curse. When you don't really qualify for the curse, like the blessing is waiting for you to accept it. Does that make sense? But you remember the mindset again. Remember we read that verse, uh, John 10, 10. And if you're not there yet, you know, to what is it? Rich and something like if the word just like, ooh, yeah, rich and satisfying. If that word just grinds you, then you, you. Your blessing acceptance level is really low. You know, we've all, okay, I'm going to say it. And if you're guilty, just repent. When you say, you know, I believe in being blessed and all, but then there's just some people like they are just go overboard. Well, really, like who decides what is over the board and what's under the board? Remember, we're seeing, if we get a heavenly visitation, we can see in the fourth dimension. That, that's like the angels came and took us to heaven and we got a view. That's fourth dimension. 
There's a hundred of them. And we're concerned about what level of blessing is allowable. Like when, who, who are we to decide that? Do you understand? But do you see how the devil steals from us? He'll steal from us without us having this stuff yet, but he already stole it. <laughs> you ever had anybody like with a moving van tell you stories about their whole, mo- the whole, they took the whole moving van with all their stuff and just disappeared between the moving location and where they're supposed to be. I've heard stories of this. The moving company literally took all their stuff. This is like what happens. And then what are people going to say now? That moving company is a terrible company when in fact it could have just been that employee plotted that whole thing and they only worked there for that one time. Well, isn't that what people say about God? Oh yeah, God said he'll do this. I don't see any of that. Well, because you're, you keep catering to the curse. God is a God of order. He will not go against his own word. This is why you need church that teaches you this. <laughs> so that was Deuteronomy 11.26, okay? Deuteronomy 30.19 says, I call heaven and earth to, rec- to record this day or to record this day, however you want to look at it, okay? Against you that I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing, therefore choose life... That both you and your seed may live. This isn't just about you. Whatever you don't do, it affects your generations. See? So here's my question. I have this big question here with like three question marks. I don't know what part of punctuation this represents, but I got three question marks (laughs) for one sentence. Does your voice sound like you're cursed? I was like, okay, I'll write it (laughs) and I'll say it out loud and we can answer it for ourselves. Does your voice sound like you're cursed? Meaning, when you're speaking sentences... Which part of the record is the witness going under? Do you see, I said before you today, the record, or to record, but either way, there's tabulation happening, right? And the question is, is your tabulation going under the blessing or the curse? Whatever you're saying about yourself, about your life, and about your expected results. See, you can have people who, like, look in the mirror and say, I'm beautiful. We had this whole tea thing where we did, you know, we had the whole mirror and everything. And I'm like, I'm beautiful. And it was rah, rah, rah. And, but the question is, is your expectation on the beauty scale, is it like on that part? Or is it over there, I'm so ugly and terrible, nothing good will ever happen with me? And that's a really simple thing but over here it would be like you know I I didn't go to school for that you know Um, I didn't work there that long so I can't have that you know I didn't go through step one so I can't get to step two do you know in God's promotion business it's not by steps it's by qualification and his qualification is based on his testing of us not anybody else's 
right? If Joseph had to go through the qualification to get the position he did, he never, his birth would have disqualified him. You see? So, whatever we feel about ourselves will come out in our speech. And so, are our, our words expressing us as a blessed person or as a cursed person? And a lot of times it's not just about who you think you are now. It's about the results you're expecting you will see. Okay? Um, okay. In Acts chapter 9, this is the end of it. I flipped the page and there's nothing back there. Uh, Acts chapter 9, if you read that chapter, this is where Paul became Paul. He was Saul... And then he became Paul. Okay? And the Lord showed me this. I'm going to study it more, but I'm giving you a little appetizer of it. So you can go study it and let the Holy Spirit show you what he wants to show you. Paul was one man who held a position. And the devil's kingdom will promote anybody who is zealous and full of zeal for something. Okay? Because they need that charisma. To influence people. Okay. So Paul was zealous. And he had full of zeal. And he thought he was working for God. But he wasn't. But one man was the reason why a lot of the uh, disciples in the early days got put in prison. One man. One man was the reason why Stephen was stoned to death. One man. One man was why the church was so suppressed for the time it was. One man oppressed people. One man. And what God did was, he said, you know what, I had enough of this. So he gave him the ultimatum. You have three days. Tell me what you're going to do. And God made it known to to Saul that he was persecuting him. Not evil people. See, Saul thought what he was doing was godly. And these people were bad. Right? But God straightened it out and said that you're the wrong one. This whole time they're working for me and you're working against me. So what are you going to do about it? And he had three days to do it, to decide. You see? And he made a decision. He made the right decision. And look at what the history of his life ended up being known for. All the letters he wrote. God chose to put those letters in the Bible. The Holy Spirit chose to put those specific writings from Paul in the Bible. When Paul never walked with Jesus one day and he was around when Jesus was around. And he never even walked with Jesus one day in Jesus' training school. You see? This is the difference it can make when we decide to stop oppressing the body and start working for it. When you accept the curse, you are positioning yourself as an oppressor of the body of Christ. When you accept the devil's steps, you're putting pressure on the kingdom from operating and moving forward because you're the baggage. You've got to keep 
dragging through. So don't let the devil turn you into an oppressor and you're thinking you're doing the right thing. That's what Paul thought or he had never done it. But God came and Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Huh? The, bright, the light that hit him was so bright he got blind. You talk about a revelation. <laughs> Don't let God have to give you a blinding revelation. Just say, I accept the revelation. <laughs> Don't need to be blinded. Okay? But what I'm saying, ladies, this, your life should be dramatically different. Don't accept the also of the devil. Accept the one of, of God, of the covenant. Go through, look up the word curse. Actually, Deuteronomy 28. Okay? It lists the blessings and the curse. And both of them are related to obedience and disobedience. So, for example, the first set, the blessings, it's obedience to God and disobedience to what the devil is telling you to do. The second part is disobedient to God and obedience to what the devil is telling you to do. None of it has to do with circumstances that are good and circumstances that are bad. Both have to do with choice I made, choice I made. Okay? So you go through, but also look up the word curse and see where the Bible says, if you do this, that's calling the curse. Not that God is cursing you, but you are literally choosing the curse. It's the same as heaven and hell. God isn't sending people to hell. They're choosing to go to hell. And it doesn't matter what you do. You can't make their choices different by making it for them. You understand? So you can pray mercy over them, but don't walk there with them and go to the edge and say, well, this is where I have to say goodbye. Like... I'll keep you company your whole life while you decide to go to hell. Forget everybody else because you're so important because you're going to hell. Who are you missing that you should be ministering to because you're so focused on the one person that has decided they're going to hell? You have to believe when you pray for these people by faith. And you plant a seed in them of the gospel. You have to believe that the gospel is capable of fulfilling what it was sent to do. It's not you. <laughs> it's the word of God that ha- that's the seed. You ain't the seed. You're not the salvation for these people. But you have to do your part. Do it in faith and move on. I had a phone call the other, last week. A woman called me through the Blessed Turn Home uh, page, Facebook page, and she was crying and she was asking, uh, what kind of people do we help? You know, like she saw that we're, and, and they used to feed orphans themselves, her and her husband. She's in a different part of Guyana that's far away from where we are. After I talked to her, and she said that she's a Muslim and that she, her one, she has one leg. Or I think she doesn't have, like she had them both cut off. So I said, did you have diabetes? And she said, yes. So then her husband, about two months ago, died suddenly. They were very rich because he had a business. And so when they were rich, they would feed orphans and stuff. 
And so she was calling because she has a 12-year-old daughter, and they used to send her to private school, and now school is opening up. She doesn't have the money for school and all this stuff. I said, well, the government gives you money for school. Like, did they give you money, or is it like they did not read? Oh, they did, but that's for public school. I said, well, at least she'll go to school. You know, she wanted money for private school for her daughter. She doesn't have a job or anything else, right? So I said, well, you're so far away from us, and you don't try, you know, but it, she said her family's close to where we are. I said, great, when they're coming to see you again, call us. They can stop into the orphanage, and we'll pack up some food for you, some goods, some food supplies, so they can take it to you. That's fabulous. And I said, do you know Jesus? And she said, uh, well, I, yeah, we know about Jesus. I'm Muslim, and they teach us about Jesus. Yes, I've talked to somebody already who was a Muslim, I told her. And, and what I found out is they tell you about Jesus, that he's a prophet. Yes, he is. I went to Saudi Arabia with my husband, and we went and saw where all the tombs of the prophets are, and they have a spot for Jesus' tomb. When he comes back and he dies, they'll bury him there. And I said, wow. I, she said, yeah, I stood in the spot. I saw it. I have pictures of it. I said, wow. That I have never heard. I said, so, because so, when I'm saying, she said, yeah, Jesus is coming back. This, she's telling me this. Jesus is coming back. I knew, she said, I know all about Jesus. He is, was a prophet. He died. Or no, he didn't die yet. He went to heaven and he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to die. And they have a tomb, uh, they have a nice tomb spot for him to put him with the other prophets who have already died. And they're going to, um, you know, so they'll, and they have, it's a nice place. She said, I saw it. My husband and I, we went there and we took pictures and it's really nice. And I said, wow, that's very interesting. I said, but I want to tell you something that they didn't tell you about Jesus. Everything you say about he's a prophet and all this, yes. I said, but they leave this one part out when they teach Muslims about Jesus. This is what the other lady didn't know that I told about it. And when she found out, she was like, what? I want to know the Jesus you're telling me about. And she got saved, right? I said, so let me tell you this part that you didn't know. I said, do you want to hear it? And she said, well, sure. So I said, Jesus died for our sins. She said, yeah, 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 I heard something about that. I have Christian friends, and they come to visit me, and they take me to church. So I go to their church, and then when I have functions, they can come to mine. I said, oh, so you're familiar with this. You've heard this before. She said, yeah, 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 yeah. So I said, well, let me tell it to you my way. You know, let me tell it to you again. And this way, you know, because it sounds like you're really upset. And, and then, you know, so I tell her the gospel, right? And I said, this is the part that they hold back from you. Like, he is not dead and he's never dying. Like, he already died and did that part. And then he rose again. So he is coming back for sure. But when he comes back, and as soon as I start telling her, as soon as I said, and he rose again, she said, well, 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 you know, don't, I, I really have to go. I said, well, before you go, you sound like you were really upset, and I'd be happy to pray for you. Well, 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 maybe next time, maybe next time. And she was so anxious and, like, irritated, right? But I knew that as soon as you touch that demonic thing that she is really full of, because oh, she's really into this. I never heard the Saudi Arabia part. I should look it up. I never did get to look it But what I did was... I planted the seed of the full gospel. See, the enemy who had her trapped told her part. So, yes, she knew who Jesus was, but she didn't know the truth about Jesus. She knew the man Jesus, but not God Jesus. 
right? So I told her he's 100% God. And he came and died for our sins so we can go to heaven. And he rose again. And that, boom, that just like stirred all that stuff up. Right? Because the thought is Jesus has to die and stay dead. So... So she was just like, but she was trying to be polite, and then she was like aggravated, like, well, I got to go. I said, well, just call me back again, you know, when your family's ready to go to see you. We'll get you some food. Okay, 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 okay. Sounds good. When I hung up with her, I said, I planted your seed, Father. I thank you that people will water it. It will bring forth much fruit, and this one will be set free and delivered in Jesus' name. Do you understand? And I move on. I don't be like, oh, the poor woman, she doesn't have any legs. And oh, I feel so bad for her. I should call her back. No, I gave her the gospel. I have to believe that the gospel will work. She never knew the gospel. She knew a story about Jesus. Like we mistaken sometimes and think that the hard people know the truth and they're, they're denying it. You know, they're like deciding. They, it's not, going to church is not the truth. The truth is Jesus died and he rose again for the purpose. So we don't, you understand, this is what's hidden from people. So even if they don't have, if it looks like they're never going to accept it. And there's 500 demons telling them she's lying, she's terrible. You still say it. Because you're pl- somebody's got to plant the seed. When I discovered this is, a, this is soil that never got that seed, I dumped that seed in there as fast as I could. I was talking so fast. <laughs> All the way from Guyana. Because there's an orphanage. Do you see how... <sighs> and how am I going to just go, oh no, we're just an orphanage, we don't do that kind of stuff. You need to like go with your friends to church and sometime it'll sink in. No, I realized this woman's going to church with people and still didn't know the truth. Do you see? So I believe that somebody's going to water the seed I planted in her and them demons got to go and she will get radically delivered and set free. You see? That's what I believe about the whole thing. You don't just get to talk to me and nothing happens to your life. That doesn't fly with me. That's what I put faith in my life to happen. When I speak, seeds go out and people water and the thing grows. Amen? So that's my lesson for tonight. Are we good? Let's pray real quick and... Oh my gosh, it's 8.30. Father, I thank you for the time tonight. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us a lot of things that we can grow and learn in and uh, develop. And the devil is a thief and a liar. He'll never change. It doesn't matter how long we're on this earth, the devil will never change. But, Father, we can change and we accept that. We accept that we can change to be in your likeness and to follow in your steps for us. We will not look to the right or to the left, but we will look straight ahead. And Father, I speak right now that bondages are removed, yokes are destroyed, lies are being torn to pieces in the name of Jesus, and the truth will prevail and people will know the truth and the truth will set them free. I thank you, Lord, for this word that was brought forward that it will produce life and life more abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.